You are listening to our Southside Baptist Church podcast. For more audio content, please refer to our website. This is baptistchurch.com. Amen. You can uh, remain standing if you would. And I want you to take your Bibles, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. And as you're doing that, children are making their way to worship. And thank you, Bethany, for your work there. She gave me a thumbs up. That means she's all right. She's alive. And we thank you for what you do. We're going to be talking about speaking in tongues. What does that mean? What does the Bible teach? Uh, I'm not going to... uh, give you anything but what I believe is what the Word of God would have us to understand about this gift. Now, let me first of all do a disclaimer, okay? I remember years ago, Eloise, our sweet, precious secretary who worked here and just was one of those precious Christian people that if you knew her, you loved her. Eloise, uh, Bill had uh, retired from AT&T, they were looking to uh, resettle, to move, and to find a home. And he wanted to go back to their home place there in Summit. And I can tell you one thing, for all of us that loved Eloise, we absolutely did not want that. Um, so Eloise, her children and grandchildren are in the Metro Jackson area, so we felt like we kind of had a, a little bit of some leverage with uh, Bill. But Bill was de- destined to go to, uh, he wanted to go to a summit down there around Macomb, settle down on his old home place. So one day I'm sitting in the office and, and Eloise looked at me and she said, Brother Jeff, she said, uh, I need you to pray for us and pray that we will do God's will, whatever that may be. She said, you know, I want to stay here. I want to be near my kids, my grandkids, my great-grandkids. So I'm, I'm busy looking for a home in this area. And boy, we were pulling. Sheila was always calling, Eloise, go look at this house, look at that house. And um, Sheila sounded like a real estate agent. Bill was set, determined to go to Summit. So when Eloise asked me that, I stopped her and I said, Eloise, let me, let me say something here. I said, I will, I will pray for you, but let me go ahead and make a disclaimer. I'm going to pray, but I'm struggling because I want to pray selfishly. I don't want y'all to leave. I want you to stay here. So, uh, I, you know, I want you to know I may be praying for you, but my heart's really not in it. And more than that, I'm really kind of praying against it, against you leaving here and relocating and, you know, sometimes we have to do that. So I, I, I want to, in fact, I want to say that there's a disclaimer. I grew up in a troubled home, and I want you to listen. I grew up in a, in a troubled home when it came to my mom. My mom was a precious person in many ways, and I know beyond, I believe with all my heart she's in heaven. Uh, my mom had some struggles that I believe came all the way back from childhood. My mom had some psychiatric problems. And periodically, my mom would have these spells or these fits or these times that basically we just got out of the house. Uh, we, could, we could tell it. Uh, in the summertime as kids, we, would, we could clean the house up before mom woke up. 
And then my sister and I, we would hightail it out, and then we would stay, we would basically get on our bikes, we'd ride. If it was raining, we rode around in the garage. You've heard me tell this story. When my mom would have these spells, she would, quote, speak in tongues. In other words, she would erupt into this ecstatic kind of, uh, what she called a spiritual gift, a language, and she would begin to speak in tongues. She would do it when she was angry, when she was upset, and usually she would do it to us. And from the time I was a kid growing up, I grew up in that kind of environment. So let me say, when, when it comes to the, the gift of tongues, and what I believe is a, a spiritual gift that has to do with languages, I also have to give a disclaimer here. My experience with tongues from early childhood has not been good. And all God's people said, amen, if you understand what I mean. Say, let me pray again. Lord, we thank you, we love you, and we pray that you bless this time in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. I'm going to let you be seated. And, and we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, beginning at verse 1. Paul says, follow the way of what? Let me give you a minute. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1. Paul says, follow the way of what? Of love. You know, faith is going to end. All these spiritual gifts we talk about, they're going to end one day when we get to heaven. But let me tell you, God is love, and love's going to always be around for all of eternity. As long as God's around, love's going to be around. And listen, Sheila said, boy, that hit me. She, not because she, I think she was convicted. She just said, you know, it's so true. Sheila, when I, I made the statement last week, you and I never look more like God than when we love like him. You know, God loves us, doesn't he? God's patient. God's kind. God puts up with a lot. God loves us. And you and I never look more like God than when we love. So um, in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, Paul begins by saying, follow the way of love. Now, he spent a whole chapter on love, describing what that love looks like. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. For anyone who speaks in a tongue, Paul alluded to that in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, for anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God. Indeed, no one understands him. He utters mysteries with his spirit, but everyone who prophesies speaks to men for their strengthening, encouragement, and comfort. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. I would like every one of you to speak in tongues, but I would rather have you prophesy. He who prophesies is greater than one who speaks in tongues, unless he interprets so that the church may be edified. Now, let me take a moment. Let me pray for me. So bow your head. Lord, help me to be obedient to your word in the name of Jesus. Amen. Okay, I already gave you a disclaimer, and I told you one thing is my childhood, how I grew up. And when it comes to this idea, some people quote gifts, where to me it sounds like gibberish. Uh, I have a hard time with that being a spiritual gift because of how I grew up. Secondly, when Sheila and I were in college, we got together in a Bible study group where it was very charismatic. You have to understand something for those that may not be familiar. Sheila and I were growing up in what was called the charismatic movement. TV ministries were beginning to grow. PTL, Jim Baker, Tammy Baker. Uh, you begin to see a lot of TV ministries develop. Most of them were growing out of charismatic circles. There were, there were some things that were happening 
as the church was experiencing what it called the charismatic movement, it was beginning to be much freer in its worship. But with that freedom came a lot of misunderstanding around the, around the idea of, of spiritual gifts, baptism in the Holy Spirit, tongues, and those things. Okay, So there was a lot of confusion. And we were growing up in that time. So when we went to Mississippi State, we got in a Bible study group, and we went to this group, and, and um, Sheila, I think, may have gotten a little mad at me. I don't know, but I said it was a pretty girl. She was a pretty girl. And she was in this Bible study group, and she wanted to pray for us that we would get the gift of tongues. Now, first of all, she asked us what gift we had. So this was a very Pentecostal, charismatic kind of, kind of Bible study. We didn't know till we got in the middle of it. And so they begin to say, well, we want you to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And if you've been baptized, and they said, have you been baptized in the Holy Spirit? I said, well, yes, we've got the Holy Spirit living in us. Well, then has it been evidenced with tongues? We said, no. Well, then we want to we pray for you and teach you to speak in tongues. And so I remember her giving us some syllables and telling us to say these syllables and say them faster and faster and faster. And I'm sitting there thinking to myself, something about this just doesn't sound right. And so we went through that. In fact, I told her at one point, I never forget this. I told her, she said, well, what gift do you have then? I said, well, I feel like we got the gift of, uh, of discernment. She said, well, that's one of the more minor, lesser gifts. I mean, she told us that. Well, needless to say, we left that Bible study and didn't go back. And maybe why Mississippi State lost to Arkansas yesterday. She was praying for them. I don't know. No. But anyway, I, I go back to this. When it comes to this issue of tongues, there's a, lot, there's a lot of confusion. In fact, let's go back to what she said. She wanted us to pray and receive the gift of tongues, and she even wanted to teach us how to speak in tongues. But take a left. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 18, because this is important. In 1 Corinthians chapter, 18, uh, chapter 12, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 18, Paul said, But in fact, God has arranged the parts in the body every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. In other words, you and I are put in the body of Christ with different functions, different gifts, and all that is based on how God places us in the body and how God gifts us. Okay, do you understand that? It has nothing to do with us desiring anything. Another thing is this. I've told you that when it comes to tongues and it comes to some of the Pentecostal teaching, First of all, my childhood experiences were not good. My experiences in college were not good. Thirdly, my experiences in life have not been good. In other words, I found that a lot of times if I'm sitting, let's say, in Cracker Barrel on a Sunday night and I see a group of Pentecostals come in, I tend to see people that are not always very nice to the people who are waiting on them. A lot of times I see tables that are not policed, inadequate tips. And so in life, I've not seen what some people would call the gift of tongues in a favorable way. Does that make sense? It's very quiet in here. I need you to help me today. Philip, if you could whisper an amen, it would be a lot of help to me. Now, beyond this, there's something else. We're, we're a diverse congregation. And Bell, uh, a while back, Bell, if I get in trouble with you, you can take, just take off next week. 
as, as punishment to me and not be here to answer the phone or the door or do the secretarial things that you so sweetly do. So if I said, but Belle looked at me and she said, she told me after I dealt with this on 1 Corinthians chapter 12, she said, Brother Jeff, I'm just going to tell you right now, in the African-American community, when it comes to the second work of grace, baptized in the Holy Spirit, the issue of tongues, you are on sacred ground. You're dealing with a subject that is far more dangerous to deal with in the African-American community than dealing with race relations. And by the time Bell got through lecturing me in the office, I was scared to death to leave. I told her, I said, Bell, cover me while I try to go to the car. In fact, last night we were at an event, Bell and Russell and, and Willie, we were at an event at First Baptist Brandon where we were sharing some of the ministries that we do here at Southside. At a certain point, this subject came up as we're sitting and waiting for people to come in and come by, this is a missions fair, to come by our exhibit. And so Bell and Willie and, and, and Russell began to talk about this subject as African Americans would process this idea of baptism in the Holy Spirit and tongues. And, and Willie said, yeah, he's, Bell said, look, if it's got apostolic in it, you can get ready. There are certain things they teach that, Brother Jeff, you might have a hard time with. And then and when Willie said, yeah, that one thing you do is you learn to do the holy dance. I said, well, Willie, could I ask you something? Would you be willing to do the holy dance tomorrow so I could just see it? Now, you may say, well, Brother Jeff, are you making fun? No, I'm not. I'm just simply telling you there's a lot of confusion. And let me tell you, Reggie, Reggie Glenn, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to say that I miss Reggie every time I come to this church. I miss Reggie. Reggie is a fine, godly man who, to me, is just, was just such an example of Christ-likeness to me. I love Reggie. I miss Reggie every day. You know, Reggie, when we were talking about this, you know what Reggie said? He said pretty much the same thing Bell said. And he said, Brother Jeff, the reason we may not be growing in this community like other churches in this community is they have bought into that theology, which Reggie summed it up as, quote, health and wealth get my blessing, health and wealth, and this whole misunderstanding around the idea of baptism in the Holy Spirit evidence by tongues. Finally, what did Jesus have to say about it? I want, I want you to, from 1 Corinthians, we were at 12, go back to Matthew chapter 6, because Jesus also addresses it, and I think this is an, another strong word, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 27, I believe it's verse 27, watch what Jesus said here. If you, well, verse 7. Matthew chapter 6, verse 7. And when you get there, um, we'll start at verse 5. If you, when you get there, say amen. Are you there? Okay. Matthew chapter 6, beginning at verse 5. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray, what? Standing in the synagogues, and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, what do you do? Go into your room, close the door, and pray to your, pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Now everybody look, look at verse 7. And when you pray... Do not keep on babbling 
like who? Like the pagans. Now, Paul uses a word there, Jeffrey, for, for, for in Greek, it's bata legeo. Uh, it's really bata. Bata is not a word in the Greek. Bata legeo is, legeo is off the word logos, word. Bata means nothing. So what was Jesus saying? And I want you to listen to me because this is why I don't believe in some of the things that are called tongues actually being a true spiritual gift. Gift. Jesus said, do not batalageo, meaning this idea, don't babble or just go on and on. What he was saying was this. I was reading uh, John MacArthur. John MacArthur talks about this grammatical tool that is often used, and I can't even pronounce it. But let me tell you, it's like watching a Batman movie. You remember the Batman, the old Batman movies? Swoosh, bang, bam, wham, you know, zip, you know, all those words. These are all grammatical structures, and this is what Jesus was doing. What Jesus was saying is, when you and I pray, don't go ba 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 bata 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 bata. Don't sit there and do what the pagans do by doing these little things that are commonly. You know, Plato talked about this in the fourth century. Tongues is not anything new. Plato was talking about this in the fourth century. It was common in the cultural world. It was common in Corinth. What was happening was the church was taking. This, and I mean, what the church was doing at Corinth, they were taking this practice and bringing it into the church. This was not the legitimate, true spiritual gift of tongues and the interpretation of tongues. This was not glossa in the Greek languages. This was gibberish. This was the idea of just saying bata, 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 and being worked up into a frenzy. Zulu do this. Tribes do this in Africa. When they work themselves up into an emotional frenzy, they begin to do these things. And Jesus said, do not do that as what? As the pagans do. Now, this, it may be very quiet in here, but to me that brings great credibility. So really what we're doing is a little background. Now, let me say this in, 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 in a little bit of review where we disagree with Pentecostals, we disagree with the second work of grace. In other words, what Pentecostals believe and people who hold to this mentality of the tongues that maybe you hear me talking about, basically, I'm just going to be honest, a gibberish kind of sound, is that Pentecostals would say, you may be saved, but you've not been filled with the Holy Spirit. In other words, a Pentecostal person might look at you and say, well, you've been saved, but have you received the gift of the Holy Spirit? And was it evidenced by tongues? We believe, and most evangelicals believe, and neo-Pentecostalism has only been around in the 1900s. It's not been around the 2,000 years of the history of the church. You never have no documented cases of what Pentecostals call the gift of tongues. Nowhere else in the Bible. And nowhere else in church history. You only have it among pagans. But the reality is, is they believe that what happens is you, get, you invite Jesus Christ to come into your heart, but you've not yet received the Holy Spirit. 
Now you've got to invite the Holy Spirit to come in. And when the Holy Spirit, quote, baptizes you into the Holy Spirit, then at that point it's going to be evidenced by this gift they call tongues, personal prayer language. But you heard me say this a few weeks ago. According to the Shema, which is what Jesus quoted, Shema Israel Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Ahad, and I'm not speaking in tongues. That's Hebrew for the Lord is one God. So logically, it does not make sense that we would invite his Jesus to come in and tell the Holy Spirit to wait outside to some point we're ready then to receive the Holy Spirit. When you get Jesus, you get the Holy Spirit. Okay? And all God's people said, does that make there's no second work of grace. It's a bundle deal. As progressive or one of those commercials says, you can bundle it all. It's a bundle deal. Now, let me add a little bit of strength to that from 1 Corinthians. Go back to Romans chapter 8, verse, verse 9. In Romans chapter 8, just take a left, go over a few pages. Romans chapter 8, verse 9. Because look, just in case somebody says, well, I don't believe that, then you could go to Romans 8, 9, and look what Paul said here. Paul says in verse 9, You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit, if the Spirit of God lives in you. Now watch what Paul says. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of who? Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost, Spirit of Christ, it's all part of the Trinity. Now watch what Paul says. And if anyone does not have the spirit of what? Of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. If somebody says, well, you've asked Jesus to come into your heart, but have you been baptized in the Holy Spirit? Have you asked the Holy Spirit to come? And you could say, well, according to what I understand about the Trinity, I can't ask Jesus to come in and tell his spirit to wait outside. And according to what Paul said, if I don't have the Holy Spirit, I'm not saved at all. So that's very clear there. So there's no second work of grace. Now I want you to hear me here. There's no second work of grace. If you have repented of your sin and asked Jesus Christ to come into your heart, you now are the temple of what? God's Holy Spirit. God is in you. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Does that make sense? Now let me tell you something. You're not going to hear that in the popular health and wealth TV garbage that today is hoodwinking the American people into a billion-dollar industry. And it may not even be popular in the African-American community, but it is biblically sound. So what do we do? Is there a second work of grace? Absolutely not. When you get saved, you get it all. Paul makes it clear here. Well, then why the confusion? What is the gift of tongues? Take a left from 1 Corinthians and go to Acts chapter 2. Now, I want you to see this. And we looked at it a while back, but we have to lay the groundwork here. <coughs> In Acts chapter 2, watch this. Now, you remember when Jesus ascended up into heaven. You remember what he told the disciples? He told the disciples, he said, I want you to go back to Jerusalem. Now, everybody look this way. 
and I want you to wait for the empowering of God's Holy Spirit. You remember Jesus said, don't hang on to me, I got to go because I'm sending the Holy Spirit. Now, I want you to listen closely. On the day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2, beginning at verse 1, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven. It filled the whole earth, the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. They began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there was staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard them speaking in his own language. Utterly amazed, they asked, are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in his own native language. And then Luke begins to give us an account of every language and each peculiar tongue being heard. Down there he says, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they ask one another, what does this mean? So in Acts chapter 2, what we have, we have the we have the, in fact, let me go back to baptism, baptism in the Holy Spirit. Everybody listen, because I, I made this clear a few weeks ago, but if you were not here. When you and I repent of our sin, and we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, two baptisms take place simultaneously. Now listen closely. Number one, in that moment, I am placed by the by the power of God's Holy Spirit, I am placed in the body of Christ. The body of Christ is the church, ecclesia, the ekkaleo, the called out ones. We're the church. Latasha is, is she's the temple of God's Holy Spirit. She's the church. She's been gifted, and she's a part of this body of believers here. Now, this body of believers is down on the corner in the Assembly of God, in Southside Assembly. This body of believers is over here at New Horizon. This body of believers is down here at New Jerusalem. This body of believers is made up of men, women, boys, and girls who have repented and become Christians. We are all baptized into the body of Christ, the church. Secondly, you and I now, the Holy Spirit, is baptized in us. The word baptize, baptismo in the Greek, is to be immersed. I am immersed in the body of Christ. At the same time, the Holy Spirit is now immersed all over me. I'm the temple of God's Holy Spirit. There's no second work of grace. When I repented and asked Jesus to come into my heart, I got the full deal. When I walk into a place, listen, it's as if God, Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit has walked into that school, into that office, into that work environment, wherever it is. I, I Listen, I went a while back to comfort a family who had a tragic death in their family. While I was sitting, Emily, you'll figure out who it is, while I was sitting on the porch of this home, and I was sitting with Sheila, and I was sitting with the person who had had the loss and, the, and another person. 
a lady pulled up, got out of her vehicle, and she started. Now listen, I want you to listen closely. She got out of her vehicle, and she started walking, and she was like this. Almost as if my presence was making her nervous, as if Sheila and I were making her uncomfortable. She looked very guarded, very timid. She kind of spoke to us, and, and then, then she went on into the house. But she was visibly, she was visibly troubled. Later on, some things happened in the home, some things happened with the family, and I told Sheila, I said, Sheila, from the moment that woman got out of her vehicle, the Holy Spirit in me was saying, Alarm! Alarm! High alert! High alert! Let me tell you something, folks. Listen to me. Greater is the deposit of God's Holy Spirit in you than he that Jesus, Paul said in Ephesians, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You can take Satan, you can take the entire demonic army and put them on one side and you stand there before Satan and all the forces of hell with the little deposit of God's Holy Spirit in you and you have victory. You know what the, you know what the Bible tells you to do? The Bible doesn't tell you to run from the devil. The Bible says, submit therefore unto God and resist the devil. And what happens? Who does the running? He runs. A lot of this confusion that has come through the second work of grace, through tongues, through all of this. Do you know what the Greeks called the gift of tongues in this day culturally? They called, the Greek word was eros. The word eros is a Greek word for love. Is the word we get, our word erotic. In other words, people work themselves up into a frenzy where they become sensual. Indulgence becomes an issue. Let me tell you something. Everybody listen closely. If your emotions work you up into a degree that you no longer can control yourself, my friend, that's not the Holy Spirit that's lost control of you. That is some emotional, whatever it may be, that is now taken over. And this is what we would see a lot of times even in Africa. Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost. These people were experiencing what I believe is the true gift of tongues. They were all hearing in their own language. And you may say, why is Acts chapter 2 and why is that so important? Take your Bibles, go all the way back to Genesis 11. And I'm going to watch our time and I'm about out of time. Take your Bibles, go all the way back to Genesis chapter 11. This is critical. I want you to see this. In Genesis chapter 11, and you may have to go back and look at this a little bit later, but in Genesis chapter 11, beginning at verse 4, when you get there, say amen. In Genesis chapter 11, verse 1, Genesis chapter 11, verse 1. Now the whole, this is after the flood. This is after God's told Noah and his Shem, Ham, and Japheth and his family. He told them, he said, go out, propagate, multiply, and replenish the earth. And, and after a centuries and possibly centuries we don't know but look at genesis chapter 11 verse 1 now the whole world had what had one language and a common speech as men moved eastward they found a plain in shinar and they settled there 
They said to each other, come, let's make brick and bake them thoroughly. They used brick instead of stone. You ever notice how God would not allow any dressed stones when they were building an altar? They used brick instead of stone and tar for mortar. Then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves and not be scattered over the face of the whole earth. I love verse 5. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower that the men were building. The Lord said, if as, if as one people speaking the same language, they have begun to do, they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Come, let, what's the next word? Let us, there's your Trinity, God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Let us go down and do what? What was the punishment? What would God do? Let us go down and confuse their language so that they will not understand each other so the Lord scattered them from there over all the earth they stopped building the city that is why it was called Babel because there the Lord confused the language of the whole world from there the Lord scattered them over the face of the earth wow everybody listen the Tower of Babel was when man tried to basically do this. You know what man did? He said, we're going to build a way to God our way. That's work salvation. That's what that is. We're going to build a tower that goes, reaches all the way to God. We're going to get to God. He didn't got to come down to us. We're going to go up to him. God looked down and he said, what are they doing down there? They don't make out what they're doing down there. God comes down, and you know what God does? God takes those people, and he confuses their language, and he scatters them to the ends of the earth. And you know why? Because when man can come together, united completely together, listen to me, if you don't hear anything else, when man tries to come together outside of the Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ, and tries to build an alliance worldwide, nothing good will ever come out of it. And God scatters man to the ends of the earth, and all of a sudden French, Spanish, Chinese. Hey, anybody who studies linguistics, let me tell you what the experts can explain in, lingu in linguistics, the study of language. They find whether it's Chinese or English or French, all of them are derived from one language. Don't you be intimidated by those that would cause you to doubt your faith. And we can take those people back to Genesis chapter 11 and say, there it is. There was one language at one time, and now there's a multiplicity of languages. You know what the day of Pentecost is? It's God doing what only he can do, and that is bringing man, woman, boy, girl, black, white, Asian, whoever it may be, bringing the ethnicities of the world, and he's bringing them together into the body of Christ, the church, and he gives them the ability he he trumps that whole language thing and they all understand in one language. People were going French, Spanish, whoever they were. I'm hearing, are, are you hearing this? 
But what Satan does is Satan comes along and he counterfeits and he distorts. Now we've got to stop there. Let me tell you something. One of the greatest things that you can do, and you can go ahead and stand, one of the greatest things that you can do in your life is to do what Latasha did. One of the greatest things that you can do in your life is to right now repent of your sin, give your life to Christ. Listen, when you do that, when you repent, Paul said it in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, 14 through 17. Paul said this, listen to this. Paul said there's a veil, and you can, look, you can go back and look at this. Second, hey, think of it this way, 316, think of it as 2 Corinthians. Rather than John 316, 2 Corinthians 316. You know what the Apostle Paul said to the same church, Corinth? He said, you've got a veil over your heart. And he said, the veil is the law. What's he saying? He says it's the law of Moses. What he's saying is, you've got this propensity, this tendency, you and I both, to want to work our way to heaven. That's what he's saying. Anytime, you, hey, you try this as school worker anywhere. Ask somebody, hey, are you a Christian? Well, I try to live right. I work hard. I don't run around on my wife. I take care of my kids. You see, what they do, what people automatically do, they revert back to a work salvation. Automatically, they start ticking off the boxes. Well, I don't drink. I don't smoke. I don't hang around women that do those things or men that do those things. And, and, and I work hard, and I provide for my family, and I'm faithful in my marriage, and I do this. I'm ticking all these uh, boxes here. Of course I'm saved. And how dare you ask me? You see, that's that works salvation that's that idea that we can work our way that's that veil of the law do you know what paul said when you and i realize i ain't never gonna get there try to be good i do i stink at it i'm not gonna say nothing bad about nobody this week did you hear what i heard the other you look like Baker Mayfield in that commercial outside the stadium when he starts gossiping with those women. The reality is, is that you and I can never earn our way. We can never get there by the law. We can never get there by works. Salvation by works. You know what Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 3? Paul said there's a veil over our hearts and the only way we can get the veil off and circumcision of the heart. He called it circumcision of the heart is when we repent, turn to Jesus Christ, just like that cross. I'm going this way, trying to earn it, trying to do it on my own. I'm getting farther and farther away from Jesus, and I'm on my way to hell. And one second, I'm in eternity, separated from God from ever. And all of a sudden, in desperation, I say, God, I've tried. I try not to do this. Try. Paul said, the things I know to do, I don't do, and the things I know not to do, I do, therefore, and Paul finally said, a wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? And Paul said, but thanks be unto God. And all of a sudden, we're just like the prodigal son. We repent, and we see that cross, and we start going that way. And this is the rest of life. And I'm now filled with this Holy Spirit. I'm empowered. I'm given the ability to do what I couldn't do when I was going that way. Now I find the strength. And when I fail, I'm convicted. And I'm, and, and I'm saying, God, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I looked at that, said that, did that. God, forgive me for drinking that, putting that in my body. God, I didn't mean to watch that program. God, I'm so sorry. God, I won't do it again. Because now we've got the temple of the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit living in us. 
conforming us into the image of the one who died on that cross. And what Paul says, when you and I do this, watch this. Paul said, when we do this, God cuts the veil away and all of a sudden the grace of God comes pouring into our heart and we're rejuvenated, made alive, born again. And we're saved. And my friend, have you had that happen in your life? Do you know for certain? Let me pray for you. Our Heavenly Father, I pray right now, dear Lord, we pray together that, Lord, if there's a man or a woman, a boy or a girl, who today you're speaking to their heart, they don't know for certain if they're saved. It may be a young lady. It may be a young mom. It may be a senior adult. It may be somebody here today. Maybe a woman that just simply comes down, slips next to Sheila and says, Sheila, I don't know for certain. I just don't know. It may be a man that needs to come down here and spend a moment and say, Russell, I don't know. Pray for me. It may be someone that comes forward to this altar says, Lord, help me. I pray, dear Lord, right now that you speak to the hearts of men and women, boys and girls. Whatever decision needs to be made, it'll be made today. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. You come. May never be a moment like this moment.